Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Um, the president of Ag Force is Georgie Somerset, and I talked about this earlier on this week. Um, also, when I spoke with Mike Gearan, but just the whole scenario around uh, the decision that's going to be made by the Environmental Department here in Queensland over the Great Artesian Basin. Georgie, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Ben. Uh, this is as serious as it gets with the Great Artesian Basin and the aquifer. The Ag Force have come out with a fighting fund and, and asked its members to consider making donations to put towards trying to take legal action if this decision goes in Glencord's favour. Firstly, how concerned are you of this and the likelihood that it is going to end up in the courtroom? Oh, well, I'm very, I'll take it in two parts. I'm very concerned because I think that so many people rely on the Great Artesian Basin. It is a lifeblood. I grew up, grew up in Western Queensland. I know how critical the gab is to people. And it's not just about ag and industry. It's also about towns and families and uh, the environment. Um, our Indigenous community have had a deep connection with the gab as well. And then around uh, ending up in court, I, I'm really hoping we don't, but we... We have no surety at the moment. Um, we can't get a 100% guarantee from the Queensland Government at this stage. And a process we're going through is actually asking the Environment Minister federally, to, um, Mr Plibersek, to really review the whole process because I'm concerned that even if the Queensland Government said no to this one, that we'd have another application in the months to come. And so I think this is about you know, fundamentally linking this activity, carbon capture and storage, with what its origin is, which is the coal mining and the coal-fired power station. And, and so this is, you know, I'm really hopeful we don't end up in court, Ben, but even the process we're going through takes significant funds and we need to be prepared. And um, we're not just asking members, we're actually getting quite a few donations from just the general public, people who are really concerned, certainly interstate. I've been talking to my counterparts in New South Wales and, and the Northern Territory particularly and producers in South Australia and um, there's a lot of concern there as well because the gap is significant for you know three states and the territory. It, it, it's more than significant. It's the lifeblood of rural and regional Australia, and and why why we've even got to this point. Can you see the hypocrisy um, around the Great Barrier Reef laws that were passed and, and their protection of the reef, which they've so fondly talked about? Now, if you talk with Dr. Peter Reid, the the science is very very different to what they're hanging on to, a bit like the vegetation laws. Yet this one, that is a as is important as anything to the environment, they're willing to, to potentially risk, to absolutely 100% disregard the advice that they've, they've got, and they're hanging on to science once again. Look, and, and you know, Australians travel all over the world and go to hot springs. We have our very own hot spring in Australia. It's the Great Artesian Basin. You know, if you go out to Mitchell and Cunnamulla have just opened their bars, yep. this is unseen. And that's one of the challenges, I think, is that people can see the Great Barrier Reef. People can see the Sydney Harbour. Um, people can, can see those bodies of water. This is such a significant body of water that services and is, as you say, the lifeblood for inland Australia. And... I know people are quite amazed. You know, when I was in tourism in the 1980s in, in outback Queensland, um, people were quite blown away by the concept of a deep bore and the fact that two-thirds of a property could be gravity-fed from that one bore. You know, the the science and the innovation that had gone into that, you know, decades before we were there. And sharing that story, people get really connected to it. 
but it is unseen. And so Australians don't know about this. And that's one of the reasons we, we have gone public. We did take a full page out in The Australian yesterday, as well as other regional um, well, metropolitan dailies in Wollongong, Newcastle and Canberra, because we think that people don't realise this is happening. We think there are producers in Queensland who didn't know this was happening until we started to talk more publicly about it. Um, and we actually need people to be aware and we need people to get behind this campaign. It, it is so important. I, I um, myself, I've donated, and I mean that people listening, and I, they have to, whether or not you're in town, whether or not you are just living in a regional area, you need to make a donation, and I mean that. It doesn't matter how much. It's not. It's not about the the value of it. It's about getting behind. It's about making a donation. I I, I feel so strongly about this, in that sense that. We have to 100% make it clear that we are just absolutely going to fight this and then maybe something can happen. Can I talk about the yeah. renewables as well? When I, it, it, That's got out of hand, right out of hand, Georgie. And, 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 I, and I'm concerned as well because of where we've got to now that this, this is not only dividing communities, but it's dividing the state and something needs to happen and real quick about it. Yeah, well, you and I have talked about it already this year. Um, I think the the thing is with renewables is that we don't have a legislative framework in which it's operating and we don't have a plan for the state. And we have raised that with the Premier. We are concerned that we don't know the full impact. No one actually knows. that There's sort of no one person or, or body or department that knows exactly who's out there talking to who because these are commercial negotiations. And I recognise that this is a real opportunity for some people. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly, I know that this is going to happen, but we need to make sure that agriculture is considered and more than that, communities are considered and that we actually have long-term benefit for communities. I'm certainly living right in the thick of it at the moment. There's a, there's a lot of activity across the Western Downs and the, the South Burnett regions, and that will continue because we do have power lines. And I know that the people between sort of Gladstone and, and Calide on that power line, there's a lot happening. What we are asking for is a plan. We, we just don't know what the impact's going to be because solar apl- applications go through local government um, and seek approval that way. Wind farms go straight to the coordinator general because of their size and magnitude. And so there is no coordination point. But as I say, these are individual commercial negotiations. I'm also conscious that a lot of producers don't understand and aren't across the, the complexity of negotiating with a renewable company either. With all these issues, and and I, and I say this, and, and you don't shy away from this, there are talking to people, there is some disillusioned graziers and operators with AgForce at the moment, and that's off the back of you know the Clean Economy Jobs Bill and the yeah. fact that the Ag Force was standing right behind the Labor leaders when this bill was passed to try and get emissions to 75% by 2035. Would you accept that in, in some people's eyes that they feel that Ag Force has sold them out and, and hasn't spoken on behalf of the Ag community? What, what we can achieve by actually being in the room, and you and I have talked about this often, and you know that my belief is we have to be in the room. Um, yeah, I get you have to have sorry. a seat at the table, but... To be standing there well, with the same people, the same people that have single-handedly tried to destroy our, our industry and our livelihood, and, and and you do a phenomenal job but, on McCallum. But then this is, I mean, the thing is that, that the legislation was going to get introduced whether we were there or not. 
But the fact that we were there meant that um, Mike Geron was able to actually talk about the role that agriculture is playing and the fact that agriculture is the industry that has significantly reduced its emissions. We have developed a low emissions roadmap that doesn't have targets and punitive measures in it. Because we sat at the table for many meetings to take the Department of Agriculture on that journey, that you do not need to put more measures and targets and restrictions on agriculture. You actually need to work with agriculture because we are the solution. So I think it's absolutely critical that we get that message across to other people, that you are not going to do this without agriculture, that we're actually a key to it. And I think you know, the, the reality is that they're on this inexorable march and they've got targets. And this carbon capture and storage project is completely linked to that because this is about how um, coal can be, in, and these are my words, they're not technical words, made clean in inverted commas. And, and I'm not anti the carbon capture and storage technology. I just don't want it put into an aquifer no as, an, as, a global, as a global experiment. But this is actually about meeting targets. You know, we know that this is part of the, the the process of, and if you go back to some of the early things around carbon capture and storage, it was certainly being talked about with the, ga- the gas industry as well. So we know that um, these things are going to proceed, the technology is going to be developed, and we need to make sure that agriculture is there so we don't inadvertently end up like this again, where we're fighting things in the public arena and we're taking out full-page ads to stand up for agriculture. It's because ridiculous. The, the, the green agenda means that they're experimenting with our asset. So, but that's I what that, this bill. That's what in supporting their bill, right, and, and, and having a seat at the table, and in supporting the clean economy jobs bill um, that was introduced, and standing there with them, they don't listen anyway. Like you would think, if okay, and, and I'm just going to talk in my terms. Okay, so Ag Force and they've got a seat at the table. They've explained this. Well then, why would the government allow this other garbage to go on? Why wouldn't they put their, Why wouldn't they talk to the environmental department? Why have they continued to push down this road, knowing full well? So, it wouldn't have made a difference whether or not we were there or not. From the looks of it, their behaviour since then, that would suggest that even though we have a seat at the table, they don't regard us in any value whatsoever. Well, we chip away, Ben. I mean, that's the reality. And it wasn't just about the, the Premier there. It was all the other people who were in the room that you're trying to make some connections and build some allegiances so that yep. you can change decision-making and thinking. Um, so all the environmental and conservation groups were in the room that day. So it's an opportunity to actually try and influence some of their thinking and remind them that agriculture is actually the key to what they're trying to achieve because we are one of the largest managers of the you know, landscape in Australia. Look, I won't shy away from it because if we, the government will do what the government will do. We we have to actually try and influence what they're doing, and by by not being there, we can't influence it. So we can't get our one conversation in one sentence in. Um, we can't build those alliances with unusual people. Um, look, it is you know the environmental groups are supportive of what we're doing with this piece. It is a challenge because the. I'm sure the climate change minister is also wanting to make sure that the carbon capture and storage goes ahead. So there's this, this diff, really difficult nexus that we're all in at the moment. There are producers that want to take advantage of renewables and they know that that's part of you know, the jobs and skills plan for decarbonising the economy. Yep. Um, but they, they can see an income source. Their neighbours don't want to be. So we've got really complex conversations happening and what I think is important is that we actually keep staying in those conversations um, an, an anti-terrorist negotiator shared with me years ago that what they try and do is stay in the grey. We can't just be black and white. We actually have to spend a lot of time in the grey 
listening to other people, trying to find different solutions. Old solutions are not going to work for what we're dealing with at the moment. These are really complex issues that we're facing as community and industry, and we've got to keep sitting at the table and having those conversations, and we won't shy away from that. No and question. I've got to ask you, Georgie, you know, though, I deeply respect yourself and Mike Gearin, as you know, but what has the government done in our time of this, and you're talking about it at the table so we can chat, what have they shown in any way that they are prepared to, to help us? Because I, I can't come up with it. And so we can sit yeah. at the table, we can sit at the table all we want and try and influence people and have discussions. Mm. I'd like you as an Ag Force president to tell me what they have done that has improved the way that we operate and made it easier for us to operate. Because to me, who's a simple man, I don't know anything. Well, I'm not sure that any government of any colour makes life easier for us at the moment because there's been some things federally under the coalition government that have made life a bit difficult as well. So, look, I will say things like the low emissions roadmap. I think if we hadn't been at the table, we would have it would have come out with targets, measures, and we're going to achieve this by X. And we were able to turn that around so that we don't have punitive measures, but we do have in we will be developing. So we're on that way at the moment of developing incentives so that we can actually gain from this and not be punished. And that, that to me is one of those things that took a couple of years and they were long meetings. But the, the early stages were, well, the easy thing is we'll just set some targets and then we'll know when we've achieved it and we can move on to the next project. Well, no, this is a long and complex process. You're taking people on a you know, consultant jargon, a change journey. Um, we actually need to spend time thinking about this and not punishing industry. So... I don't disagree with you that things have become more complex and it's not just around these things, it's also around workplace regulation, um, it's around transport, there's, there's so many areas and there's so many fronts. I mean, one, one week last year, I think we had six submissions due in one week, which is why I think it's so critical that you have an organisation like Ag Forces continuing to try and push back on these things. You know, globally, we've got this, the Task Force for Nature-Related Financial Disclosures. Again, through the NFF, we're trying to push back on those sorts of things, make sure that industry won't be punished. Um, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to be able to put up in headlines, uh, this, this made things easier, but what we've got to try and avoid is perverse outcomes and trying to look at, if you bring this in, what's going to be the perverse outcome in 20 years? Because sometimes we don't, you can't see the perverse outcome when we first look at it. You've got to actually think about it and have that long-term view. And you know, we, we have to be really, really aware of everything that's going on. And I'm, you know, I, I don't know where the rest of this conversation is going to land and where we're going to end up with renewables and that plan yep. and so forth. But we've got to dig in for every stage of this journey, and we've not, we've got to not shy away from having difficult conversations with people we wouldn't normally work with. Well, I will ask everybody who is listening to please donate, and I mean that genuinely. I, I, I thank you, Ben. I absolutely. Will and say that I understand that it is a harder job and it's easy to look from the outside and take pot shots. It's that that you know that is an easier thing to do than to be at the table. You have a lot more faith in this government um, and hope than I actually do, and um, uh, I, I really hope that we can see some light out of this one with the Great Artesian Basin, um, and hopefully come October. And these are my words: they are absolutely gone removed and I think that would make life a hell of a lot easier for everybody. Georgie Somerset, I thank you for giving me some time this morning. I really do. Uh, we'll catch up again shortly. Appreciate your time.
Thanks for your support, Ben. Cheers.